Welcome. Have a seat by the fire. My name is Ken Bjorn Turner. It is my pleasure and honor to welcome you to Bjorn's Keep. Hello. Welcome to Bjorn's Keep, episode 5. It's been about a month or two, and um, I'm trying to get some more consistency with these, but having trouble finding my stride, but I've got two planned here, and this is one of them. Uh, hopefully next week I'll have another one out, and then maybe I'll get the, an avalanche flow going. This episode is about fathers and fatherhood. It sounds strange to do it now, so far away from Father's Day, I guess, but it, it came to my mind then to do it, but I waited to now for a very specific reason. This time, over the course of a couple years, uh, two years actually, from 2014 to, I don't know, 2015, two years, stretch there, yeah, actually, yeah, two years, lost three father figures, so let me explain the importance of this to me, at least. I grew up in an alcoholic family, a CIA family, Catholic Irish alcoholic, and the day after, I was in sixth grade, just out of sixth grade, and it was Father's Day. We went out to fishing trip um, in Pennsylvania, where I grew up, and it was always a fun thing to do. We used to pretty much do that every Father's Day, pack of sandwiches and drinks and all that. We'd go and go fishing at Lake Lockash in Pennsylvania, and so we had fun. It seemed like fun, and my dad was a cop in Philly, uh, and. It wasn't uncommon for them to moonlight as movers under the table because when you're a cop in Philly, you weren't supposed to moonlight anywhere. You're supposed to only source of income is the police uh, payroll because they don't want you having favorites if you ever go to your other job. Anyway, he had a job that night to move a nurse um, from one place to another. So we're like, okay, so we went home early on Father's Day from the fishing trip. And early, very early. Usually we would stay there till almost dinner time. But we only stayed there for a couple hours. And we, we left. And he went off to do his moving job. And we waited. And we waited. We had dinner because we had a special dinner planned and all that. Um, nothing super big. Just like, you know, cheese steaks or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. But, yeah, it was something out of the ordinary for a Sunday. And we waited and waited, and this is before cell phones, and all that, so you couldn't just call someone. So my mom was calling the person he usually does the moving for, because it was only supposed to be an hour or two job. And they weren't answering, and she called a couple other places, and nobody was answering. I guess finally around midnight rolls around, we were thinking like the worst, you know. But midnight rolls around, and my dad informs my mom that he is not coming home, and the that's it. It's done. That started the whole divorce proceedings. That started the whole examining life and seeing rampant alcoholism. And that's that's a show for another time. And that's why for the longest time, Father's Day sucked for me. Then a couple of years later, to the course of my mom being in Al-Anon, later AA, and me and my sister going to Alatine, we found a guy who was the sponsor of the group. And through the course of my mom and him meeting each other and all that, his name is George. 
they ended up dating and getting married, and he became my stepdad, who was more of a father to me than my biological father. Then, you know, my dad was just, he was there, but he was never really there. Like he'd sit there and say, oh, I'll come up and pick you up on Sunday. We're going to go out. And he'd never show up, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, typical alcoholic stuff. There was a good t- section of time, like, after I got into, there was a stretch of time where after college I didn't talk to him at all because I kept reaching my hand out to have a relationship with him, and he kept smacking it away. So finally I said, fuck it. And didn't talk to him for 10 years. Long and short, too late, I know. Um, after 10 years, 15 years, my sister got in touch with him again. And through finding out about deaths in the family and stuff on my, the Turner side. And they started developing a relationship. I tried again, and it didn't really work out too well. Um, it was civil, but like the final, final, final straw on the camel's back type of deal was when he couldn't even be bothered to call me or text me or send a card or anything on my wedding for my wedding, okay? Now, that being said, early on before the alcohol got involved, he was, you know, a good father and all that. I remember lots of fun things, a lot of jerky things, a lot of, you know, questionable things, like, you know, things he would do and stuff, which, looking back, is funny. I wouldn't do to my kids because I wouldn't want to scare them. But I choose to mostly try to remember my father as a father from that period, not the later alcoholic period. As far as George... Well, he was there for everything. He was there. He went to all the band concerts. He went to all the media, he went to medieval performances I did. He, you know, the long and the short of it, my son's middle name is George. Okay, that gives you an idea of how much respect and love I had for George, my stepdad. In fact, George is almost synonymous with stepdad to me. Well, fast forward to 2014 my stepdad George well he was a diabetic and he never took care of it never he quit smoking when he found a spot on his lung he was a recovering alcoholic of like 40 years or so you know so I mean he could do that but he just couldn't quit food and he got diabetes he didn't take care of it he also got dementia so he had to be put into a Veterans uh, Medical Center because it was just too much for my mom to handle because he was a big guy. I mean, this guy was a truck driver. He was a, in the Navy. He was a boxer, and he was undefeated as a boxer in the Navy. Um, yeah, he was a heavyweight boxer. He was a big guy. I mean, we were moving one time, and we had an old refrigerator. It was one of those double-chested refrigerators that open up, um, double door. And I'm like, what do you want me to grab? He goes, the door. And he picked up the whole refrigerator himself and started walking down with it. He was, he was a big, strong dude. Built like a gorilla. But diabetes just took him. In 2014, September 1st, he had Navy um, burial in Pennsylvania. You know, just, um, he was buried in Washington's Crossing National Cemetery. Well, a year goes by, and my wife's father, Donald, he was in a home because he was very bad off, too. 
almost pretty much the same thing, it seemed. There was a family meeting going on at the family house, and they got a call, and he fell and passed away. Just out of the blue. No idea you know, what happened. Just He just fell and d gone. And that was October, uh, sorry, uh, August 27th, 2015. Almost a year later. So and at the time, my wife was seven months pregnant with my son. Eight months pregnant. So it was distraught on many levels. You know, I mean, she had pregnancy stuff going on and then her father dying and it was crazy. And, you know, I liked the guy. I mean, I didn't get to know him in his heyday when he was fully with his wits, but got to see a little bit of it. And, you know, you always have those things when people have dementia and all that. They have those moments of clarity and stuff, you know. Like, I remember clearly the one time nobody else was in the house. It was just me, him and me at the kitchen table, which was like the gathering area. And he said, looks over me and says, Ken, I'm glad you met Deb and you two are together. I'm really happy that I know she's going to get taken care of and be taken care of. And she has someone to take care of. I'm really happy for you, too. And then, then he was, went back to his normal thing. It was like, wow, whoa, you know. He was a, he was a great guy. While they were making preparations for his funeral, my biological father passed away on September 10th, which actually is the date of this recording, 9-10. That, that was a very strange feeling for me because it was like I, I had love for him, but I also had a difference to him. So I didn't know how to handle some of it. And think about it and deal with some of it. But I'll tell you what, when you're at the funeral and they, they do the uh, 21 gun salute and they start playing taps, you know, and it's one of your loved ones, whether you had a bad relationship towards the end or not, it, it affects you. It really does. You, you get teary eyed and cry and whatnot. So, because of all this, I've had many different experiences with different fathers and styles of fatherhood. And me being a father and a stepfather, I've tried my best to be the best of George and the best of my dad and learn from their mistakes that they had. And, you know, I just, you know, pray to my gods every day that I'm doing it even partial as good as George did. Because he's kind of like my gold standard model as far as being a stepfather and a father. Which also then takes me to the second half of this is when I see someone else, someone who is a father but isn't acting like it, who makes excuses to not come and see their kids or pick their kids up and would rather have weekends alone and be with their kids. I don't just mean like a week, everybody needs a break or whatever, but multiple weekends, multiple excuses and they're bullshit excuses. And then they also don't do anything to support them until it comes time to have praises to the kid and then they lord and peacock over things like, hey, I had something to do with this. No, you were a sperm donor at best and you didn't do shit afterwards. Barely showed up, barely does any financial contribution to help the kids out. We're talking like an amount where you couldn't live as a single person for groceries, in the amount, nevertheless, three kids, three teenagers will always, anytime there's issues or trouble, back out 
And this person also was raised in a household where that happened to them. And they apparently swore that they would not let that happen to their kids. And they're doing it. And then there's me, who I swore I would not let that happen to my kids. No matter what happened, if anything ever happened between me and my wife, that the kids would always be first and so forth and so on. I mean, hell, I was watching um, The Great Muppet Caper. The history of this is one of the first trips we went out with my dad was to the movies after the divorce and all that. And in the movies was playing the Ghostbusters and the Great Muppet Caper. No, 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 not the Great Muppet Caper, Muppets Take Manhattan. Um, and my mom told my dad, you're not taking him to see Ghostbusters. That's too scary. I'm the one that's going to be dealing with nightmares. It wasn't a scary movie, but, you know, my mom was also the type that didn't want us playing with D&D and looking at D&D cartoon or wouldn't buy me a D&D hooked horror toy because she thought it was demonic. But that's another story, too. Anyway, so we go and see Muppets take Manhattan. And there's a scene in there where the Muppets all have to go on their own way and just song that comes up and it's like saying goodbye, don't know why, don't know when we'll be, blah, blah, blah. Super sad. Especially when you're like, I don't know, seven, eight, maybe nine, something around that age. And you're sitting there with your dad and he just left and you're still confused as to why. And this song came on and I still remember my dad sitting there. My sister's on his right side sniffling and crying. I'm sitting there sniffling and crying. And my dad sits there and he just goes, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Because, <laughs> you know, the whole situation was just ridiculous. Anyway, pop into when my son was born and my daughter too. And the older kids were watching. My older stepkids had my particular Manhattan on. And that song came on and it, I hate to say triggered, but it did. I was like, oh no, I had to go in the other room because I was like, Nope, nope, no. I'm not, no, no. Because it just hit me right in the heart. Remember in that situation and thinking, there's no way I'm going to let my kids go through this. I don't want them to experience even a half a percent of the stuff that I did. Um, one reason why I don't drink, because of all the alcoholism in my family. You know, I don't want them having to come outside to wake me up from a car because I was locked out of the house because I came home trash off my ass so this time of year is always reflective for me for fathers and fatherhood because of the three deaths that happened so quickly all within a year's time and sometimes i feel like we didn't even get the chance to mourn them properly maybe this maybe this episode's the closure on all of that i don't know this is just a just had to get this out i guess um i mean i know people who's who had their fathers died when they're young and they would probably give their left nut or arm or some other significant body part to spend another day with their, their father. I know, hell, I'd do it because I would love to know what George thinks of the little ones and how I'm doing and what he thinks of the stepkids. I know if he was alive, he would absolutely like adore all of them he met the older kids he met the step my stepkids but he never got the chance to meet my my little ones and i know that they would find his crazy sense of humor absolutely hysterical and he would have loved it and he would have been 
just ecstatic about it. You know, pop, pop, George, and they were just glommed all over him. But, you know, that's not the way life worked out. All I can do is let them know and what he was, how he was, and how my dad, my, my biological father, my dad was before things, and Deb does the same thing with her father when it comes up. So it's, um, that's just the way we have to be, I guess. And now I'm rambling because I don't know how to end the episode. <laughs> uh, I guess it's about time to end it. I got to edit some of this and nothing serious, but yeah, I think that's it. Thanks again, everybody. I, um, I hope this finds you all well. I hope you enjoyed it. Please let me know what you think. You can find me at Twitter. I'm not calling it X. Um, at Bjorn the Viking. That's B-E-O-R-N the Viking. The podcast is at Twitter. And it's at Bjorn's underscore keep. Um, I'm also on threads as Bjorn the Viking. I'm on... Um, Blue Sky is Bjorn the Viking. The podcast doesn't have something there yet, though. It's just um, me personally. But feel free to hit me up there. Uh, questions, comments. Hell, even if you want to give me some suggestions, my thoughts or something. I'm more than happy to take some suggestions if you guys say, hey, I'd like to know what he thinks of XYZ. And Matt, I know. I know you're going to send me a thing saying, I want to hear your dissertation on horned helmets. I'll do that soon. I'll do that one of these days. Okay? So, anyway, take care, everyone. Good night. If you enjoyed the show, please give it the rating you think it deserves and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcast. If you have any suggestions or comments, you can also message me on Twitter at Bjorn the Viking. The podcast can also be found on Twitter at Bjorn's Keep. That's Bjorn's underscore keep. My name is Ken Bjorn Turner, and I want to thank you for visiting Bjorn's Keep. Remember, it's better to fight and fall than to live without hope.